I'm not going to talk about money today. But what I am going to talk about is the lifestyle that God is wanting us, his people, to live. And a part of his movement, and I'm just going to lay it out there, nothing fancy, the lifestyle that God is wanting us to live as a part of this movement is an open-handed lifestyle. Like, you have been given for the sole purpose of giving back to someone else. I say it a lot here before we leave service. Hey, guys, you have something that the people you're getting ready to bump into in this community do not have, okay? The sole purpose of you being given to by God is so that you will, in return, bless someone else with it. And that has way more to do than just your checkbook and your finances. Would we agree with that? So here's the thing. Uh, Friday the 13th, just this past couple, 10 days or so ago, was a pretty tragic day in our country, right? Not in our country, but in Paris, in the world. It affected us. I mean, we're all in sort of a state of what's next. But over in Paris on Friday the 13th, tragedy stuck. Some of you may have seen this. Some of you may have been on social media and you picked up on this. Some of you may have been watching CNN or Fox News and you saw this. You see, there's not much word spreading about what took place right here. But there's something very important that I want you to grasp. You see, here in Twitter world, social media, this went viral. So the terrorists struck in Paris that night. And that night, there were literally thousands upon thousands of people from all across the world, even some right here in our country. They were scattering, looking for some security. You see, what took place right here through social media, the next picture shows it a little better, but all of those yellow and green dots were people in Paris who had no security. They didn't have guns. They probably didn't have great wealth. The only thing that they had, and they were willing to share it, was an open door. There were people scrambling, looking for a place to get refuge. And there were some people, just like you and I, who said, I don't have riches, I don't have guns. The only thing I have is an open door. You're more than welcome to come in. And that's what they were doing. You see, I don't know French, okay? Or I would say that to you in a very nice and sexy voice. Um, but that hashtag, porte, oh, or verte, listen, that's as good as I can do. So somebody just, that was a D plus. That's all I care about is passing. But that porte, that word, that French word means open door. And I thought, how amazing. And wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if we as God's people lived a lifestyle in such a way that not only did we open our doors but what if we constantly lived a life like this? What if we had a lifestyle of open-handedness? What if we actually were thinking about ways to give away what God has given us? And this has nothing to do with your finances. There's a story that I'm going to talk about in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. So if you have a Bible, turn there with me. One of the greatest leaders, I believe, other than Jesus, probably led one of the greatest movements of God. He led millions of Israelites out of slavery, and he actually didn't get to go into the promised land. But Moses did an unbelievable job of leading a huge part of God's movement. 
okay? And so I want to talk about this little story, just a small little glimpse into the beginning of the Exodus. Because Moses, whether he knew it or not, he led his life and the people God placed in his path. He led them with an open hand, and he don't, I don't even think he realized it. And so we're going to look here in Exodus chapter 3. It's a familiar story. Moses is the guy who encountered God through a what? Burning bush. So all the Sunday school people, y'all sit up front. That's what I'm taking here. Hey, guys, back in the back, he, like, God showed up in a burning bush. Now, that's the craziest thing I have ever heard of. I don't know how that worked. I don't think it's ever happened again. I mean, I remember back in my college days, I saw, well, no, never mind, never mind. Um, I've never seen a burning bush, okay? But that's how it happened. Like, God showed up to Moses. And if I slip up and say Noah, I mean the same person, all right? Give me some grace this morning. Moses and Noah, Moses was just as much on that ark as Noah was, all right? They're the same people. Moses saw a burning bush, okay? I'm glad. <laughs> Moses saw God in a burning bush. God saying, hey, Moses, here's the deal. I'm going to use you to go lead my people, the Israelites, who are in slavery in Egypt. I'm going to use you to bring them out of slavery, and I'm going to have you show them the promised land, okay? So that's where we are. Now, here's how God said it, and listen, listen carefully, really. I want you to lean in on this one because I think the first service, I think they were a little sleepy and they missed this. I don't want you to miss this. God says, well, let me just read it to you what he says. That'd be probably the best thing to do. Here, let's look in uh, verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 8 of Exodus. God says this. So I have come down to rescue them, the Israelites who were in slavery, I have come down to rescue them. Notice that God said, I have come down to rescue them. Let me just stop right there. What do you think God is getting ready to do? Rescue them. I mean, that's what I would read if we're reading it for face value. Listen to this, because first service again, they missed it. I have come down to rescue them from the, land, or from the hand of the Egyptians I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. Do I need to read that one more time or you guys got it? Good. He says, I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So listen again, I'm reading this for face value. God, you're, you're good. I'm just going to take you at your word. Like, God, I, I'm going to trust you in this one. Moses is here saying, God, thank you. Thank God. Thank you for coming down to save these people from slavery. Now get this. I'm going to skip the next one because there's a lot of words in there that I can't pronounce that well. So I just skip those verses. I'm going to skip nine and I'll go all the way to 10. All right. Verse 10. It says, so now. I am sending who? Is anybody else confused with that? God, you just spent a whole verse, like in eight, you spent probably 15 seconds, God, saying that you were going to rescue, right? I mean, in God's own words, he said, I am coming down. I'm thinking, well, good, man, this thing's taken care of if God's coming down, right? 
It's sort of like when you were a little kid and your mom didn't get your attention. You're misbehaving and she didn't get your attention. But when you heard dad coming around, you knew it was over, right? God's coming down. This thing is going to be taken care of. We're probably going to go from here to there in a matter of no time. But then verse 10 comes. Verse 10 comes and God says, hey, Moses, I'm coming down, but I'm going to ask you. You guys get that? I'm going to ask you. You go and free the Israelites from captivity. You go accomplish what I want to be accomplished. God wanted them free, right? And he asked Moses to go and do it. And what I need you to hear me say today, if you don't hear anything else, is God is asking his people the same thing. Hey, God has a plan. And at the very end of this thing that we know is life, God is going to accomplish his plan, right? God doesn't make a mistake. He doesn't miss his target. God accomplishes what God wants to accomplish. He is coming down here, but he's using you to be a part of his movement. He's using you and what he has given you to be a part of his movement. Well, Scott, how does this have to do with having an open-handed lifestyle? I'm glad you asked. Moses goes crazy. Listen, this here does not even depict. You got to understand Moses wrote this, right? Moses wrote what we're reading here in Exodus. So he left out the crazy stuff. He pitched a fit. He went crazy. He went over and kicked the burning bush. But he did not write that here in this story, okay? Listen, you got to use your imagination to have a little bit of fun with this, right? Right? I just made that part up. He didn't kick the burning bush, all right? But this is how Moses led part of the greatest movement that we've ever seen in God's movement. He starts to argue with God and saying, God, listen, you don't know who I am, obviously. God, I am someone who really has no gifting, no skills whatsoever. God, you're wanting me to lead your people out in this movement, and and I'm not a man who speaks very clearly. I don't have eloquent words to say. God, surely you have picked the wrong person to lead my people. This is what he says. Verse 10, once again, he says, so now go, I am sending you. Moses argues all the way through the end of the chapter, turn to chapter 4. He's continuing to sling just excuses. And in chapter 4, verse 1, listen to what Moses says. He says, God, what if... He says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? What if they don't believe me or what I listen or they say they didn't, they don't listen? He says, the Lord did not appear to you. Can I just be very honest? I sometimes have those same fears. 
Sometimes I worry and I have fear about, hey, God, what if I don't make any sense? God, what if they don't listen to what you've said to me to proclaim to them? What if the vision that you have shown me is a vision that people don't want to be a part of? I have that fear. And can I tell you, when God shows you what he wants you to do and to be a part of, you should have some sort of fear of what God is laying in front of you. And here's the reason why. is because it will always be bigger than you. And if you're not afraid of things that are bigger than you, well, then I need you on the security team. I sit... And I pray over there at our future building. I go over there a lot in the mornings and I sit and pray. I just sit in my truck and I know that the foreman on the job thinks that I'm spying on him, making sure that they're working, but that's not what I'm doing. So awkward the other morning, I actually got out and I went and his name's Dwayne. I said, Dwayne, listen, buddy, I just sit in this truck and I pray and I listen and I'm trying to figure out what we're doing next because I have no idea. So, Dwayne, you're doing a phenomenal job. Hurry it up just a little bit. And then, no, I didn't say that. Pastor Bradley said that to him because he's leading the building thing. Listen, you don't have to be filthy rich to live an open-handed lifestyle. Moses is trying to get out of it any way he can. Listen, you don't have to have it all together to be a part of God's movement. You you don't have to know what's next. You see, I tell you the reason I go over there and pray is because I'm trying to figure out what's next. God said to me just a couple of weeks ago, loud and clear, I was watching all the workers. They were just doing their thing, and I wasn't even talking to God. I was just sitting there in my truck. And he said, Scott, you have no idea what you're looking at. And I was okay with that because I know the visions that he has shown me with kitchens and with storage rooms, with children's rooms, with worship space. Man, I have some amazing dreams for what Hope City is getting ready to be. But his word tells me very clearly that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind is able to conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. Paul goes into Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and he tells me that God is able to do immeasurably more than all I could ever ask or imagine. I have a phenomenal imagination, people. And so God gently said to me, Scott, you have no idea what you're looking at. You don't have to know what's next. You don't have to know how God is going to replenish what you have just given away. All God is looking for are people like Moses who didn't even know he was willing, but Moses just led this way. So just a couple of things real quick that I want you to mention. If you ever take notes, this is just something that I've learned along my way because this is what God has asked me to do. And he has told me, Scott, as long as you live your life, 
and lead your ministry, this ministry, your ministry, God, whatever. He is saying, lead it this way, and I will bless you. But as soon as you do this, and you close this hand, he said, you're on your own. And as I have journeyed over the last couple of years with this thing, I've learned that God is using what I have. You see, Moses was trying to argue his way out of it. And in chapter 4, verse 2, God, I think, said some of the most encouraging words that are in all of Scripture. You see, he knew Moses. He knew his heart. He knew his concerns. He knew his faults. He knew his shortcomings. And God Almighty is a very real person. Do you understand me? He is not some being that sits on a cloud of thrones and just looks down and sees what you're doing. He is a real person. And he's so real that he is here speaking to Moses. And if we are listening, he's speaking to us. He said to Moses, because he knew him intimately, he said, hey, Moses, in the second verse of Exodus chapter 4, he says this, listen, he says, Moses, what is in your hand? Scott, what is in your hand? Your name in the blank, what is in your hand? And so what I want us to do this morning is I want you to physically look at your hands, look at them, what is in them? What is in your hands? And some of you, because you're my personality, like, well, you, 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 there's nothing in my hands. No, 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 no. You're not looking close enough. You see, you're not thinking the way God intends us to be thinking. So everybody who hasn't looked at your hands because this is uncomfortable, look at your hands. I want you to know that God has placed in some of your hands some skills that no one else in this place has. You have skills that God is wanting to use for this kingdom. You for somehow come together. It's you and a tape measure and a pencil and your skills that God has given you. You create amazing things. I know there's some people who are wonderful with their hands creating things. Do you think that you're that good, that you have worked hard and trained yourself right? No, God is the one who has given you those skills. There are some of you in this place, and your mind thinks like an engineer's mind. You see things coming before they're ever even in the works. God has given you in your hands a mind that I am jealous over. You have been given a very good mind. And do you think you knitted your mind together? You did nothing except exist. God created you that way. He gave you the mind that you have. Some of you in this room, I said I wasn't going to talk about money, but some of you in this room, you are filthy rich. You look in your hands and you see how God has blessed you financially. Again, let me just say, you're not that good. 
God has seen fit to give to you something that he trusts you with to use in his movement. Let me just say real quick, these guys, these people, when they look at their hands, they see that they can make a string, make a noise, and it actually sounds good to us. Heather back here on the keyboard, I don't know which key's what, but because God has given her in her hands, she makes beautiful noise with that keyboard. Some of you have influence in this community. Like you are deeply connected. And it's not because you're somebody, but God has seen fit to entrust you in your hands what he's given to you because he's wanting you to use it in his movement. What is in your hand? And no sermon, no church service is going to be able to help you figure out what God has given you. I hope and pray that somebody's light bulb goes off in this place and you go home laid back watching the Carolina Panther game and you have the light bulb moment. God has given me the ability and the gift and you fill in the blank. You see, it's encouraging to me because Moses, what did he have? A stick. <laughs> he had a stick, a piece of wood. That's all he had. And God led one of the greatest movements through Moses that this world's ever seen. What's in your hand? God's saying, use it. Give it away. Trust me. I'm going to replenish it. So Moses does all his stuff. Let's go to verse 10, verse chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Verse 11, very powerful verse. The Lord said to him, listen to this. We can chew on this one forever. Who gave man his mouth? <laughs> See, I told you you weren't that good. Who gave man his mouth? And it goes on. Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? You see... Some of us have been given situations that other people have not been given. Some of us in this room, when we look at our hands and we look at our life and we look at our situations, man, praise God because everything is up and to the right. If that's you in this room, then you better never be kicking rocks. And what I mean by that is you going through life kicking rocks. If your life is up and to the right and God has blessed you and it's overflowing and he has given you this life, then you better be one joyful person in the name of Jesus. Amen? And people better want to be around you. Amen? If that is you in this room, then you are about joy in this movement of God. I am tired of seeing Christ followers down in the dumps. I'm going to get to a little more of that in a second. 
But here's the deal. Some of us in this room have been given situations and it's not up and to the right. We've been given situations that other people have not gone through. Let me read this to you again. He says right here, he says, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? God is saying right there, hey, listen, everything in life that I'm going to give to you to give to other people, it's not going to look up and to the right to you. But I'm giving you this situation to walk through that I'm going to be walking with you through. And I'm giving it to you because I trust you to use it in the name of Jesus to advance my movement. Some of us have very special things that have been given to us. And my prayer for you is God help us not to do this, but to give it away. See, Moses is making all of the excuses and God just says, hey, Moses, you can say what you want, but I'm, I'm going to use you. Hey, Moses, I'm going to use you. Hey, Scott, I'm going to use you. And you know what the greatest truth about this story that I see is this. Is God is so good that in his movement, he allows us to be us. And so for you, I would just say you, be you. Be yourself. Some of you are like, well, no, wait a minute, well, you don't know who I am. You, you don't know, you, don't, you didn't see last night. Well, let's, let's just say you've had a good couple of years. You hadn't seen five years ago. Now, God said to Moses, I'm going to use you, Moses. Just be yourself. Just be yourself. And so probably one of the most important questions, I think, in this church is do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Like when it comes to you and Jesus and the freedom that comes through the gospel, do you know who you are? Mental inventory right now, go. Who are you? Hey, we're honest in this place because there's been a time in my life where somebody asked me that question, negativity starts to fly. Raise a hand. How many of us just sort of some negative things came our way? Raise it high. Don't be ashamed. Yeah. Uh Uh-uh. Listen, that doesn't come from God. You hear me? For those of you who just raised your hand, that's not from God. That's coming from the enemy. Oh, it may be coming from the world. Facebook is a terrible thing, all right? But let me tell you this. You have to, in this movement of God, know who you are in Christ. I've said it before. There's a class that just went on in the first service called Momentum One. That's what we've titled it. You don't even need to title anything. But what happens in there is we take this... And we tell you who God says you are. And in his movement, 
we have to understand who we are. You know who you are? There's, listen, I, this isn't preaching stuff. This is straight from the word. Look at what Peter wrote. He wrote in 1 Peter. And, and, and a good preacher would have this memorized, but I'm going to read it off the screen. Is that okay? Good. Right here. Hey, this is who you are. You see that? Those of you who just raised your hand because some of the negativity started to come to the surface. Hey, listen, look at that. You're chosen people. You get that? Like God saw you so special that he said, I want you. I want you. Thank you. He just said, I want you too. Thank you. (laughs) You're a royal priesthood, my friend. That's where a holy nation God saw fit to choose you in this movement. Take a look at the next one. It comes from Roman. Paul writes this, full of the Holy Spirit. This is what he says. See what that says? That tells me, and it should tell you, that you are somebody. You're God's child. (laughs) Listen, my mom used to be the librarian at this school. (laughs) And I thought I was somebody because of that. Like I went off campus to eat lunch. I used the bathroom in the teacher's lounge because I was somebody. And my mom was just the librarian at this school. (laughs) Thank God that I didn't realize that I was God's son that I was his child. There's no telling what I would have done. But you see, we've got to harness the fact, hon, that you are the daughter of God. And that changes the way I look at everything. That changes the way I look at every person. That changes the way I look at every situation. And my father, my earthly father, has given me a phenomenal life. And it can't hold a candle to what my heavenly father is giving me. You see, how good of a father, how bad of a father, how much of a father you had does not determine how good my God is going to be a father to you. And you see, here's why we can live open-handed. It's because a good father, a good father is going to give his children everything they need. And so when we're empty-handed and we're out, God, I'm empty. A good father is going to feel his children's hand. You're a child of God. And there's nothing anyone can say about you or do to you to take that away from you. Moses didn't even realize it, but he did this. And God used him in unbelievable ways. Hey, Moses, just be who you are because you're my son. 
just use what I've given you. And then the third thing, this is where it's getting ready to get real personal. I'll just read it to you. Verse 12, God is just basically done with Moses. He says, hey, dude, we got to go. Verse 12, chapter 4, he says, now, what? Now, go. And he's saying the same thing to us. Hey, guys, it's, it's time to go. It, it's, it's time to get beyond where we are. This isn't playing church. This isn't going through the motions. This isn't just some good addition to our life. Oh, church. No. The movement is upon us. And he's looking for the people who will go. Oh, you don't have to know what's next. You don't have to have even the skill set ready to take that first step. God said to Moses, listen to this. He said this. He said, now go. And I will help you speak. And I will teach you what to say. Get going. And as you go, I'm going to help you. And as you go, I'm going to teach you what you need to say. Some of us in here have sat down knowing that God has given us unbelievable things. And we're sitting with it. Afraid to go because we don't know where or what's next. God didn't tell us in advance. He said, go. And I promise you that I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to give you, my child, what you need. And I'm going to direct you where you need to go. Let's go.